Welcome to the Disciples Haven, the place where we dive deep into the timeless wisdom of God's Word. I'm your host, Jose Garcia, and in today's episode, we'll be finishing up our series in the book of James by exploring the rich insights and lessons found in James chapter 5. Join me as we unpack the verses, draw meaningful connections to our lives today, and discover the enduring relevance of this scripture. So we ask our Father to open the eyes and open ears of all who listen. In the name of Jesus Christ the King. Amen. Welcome back, one and all, to another episode, but also the final episode of the book of James. But before we dive into chapter 5, let's do a quick recap of the previous chapter. In chapter 4, we learned that a lot of times we ask amiss, meaning we ask God out of sinful intent, out of lusts. We want the desires of the world instead of asking for things that will benefit God and His kingdom. We learned how we, who truly want to be a disciple of the living God, what we go through, an internal war with our spirit and our flesh bodies. But the more we draw near to God, the more he draws near to us. And if we resist the devil, he's going to flee from you. Why? Because the devil will know he can't win. And this just isn't about the devil. You can apply this to anything in your daily life. You know, a certain person that you're going to go and hang out with is always pressuring people to try and do certain things that isn't right. Or maybe you know someone's going to go break into a store or whatever the case may be. And you know it's wrong. You resist those types of people, they will eventually leave you alone. So you see, even though we fight a spiritual battle, you can use the tactics given for the Spirit to apply it to your lives here in the flesh. So James chapter 5 verse 1, and it reads, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Now, as we discussed before, we aren't talking about rich men who worked hard for the blessing of having an abundance of wealth. This verse is talking about the con men, the oppressors, the thieves. I'll take it a step further and say most politicians. Here in California, we got quite a few of those. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. The last days, that's us. James is giving a little bit of prophecy here. He's saying the rich men in the end times are going to be con artists that are ripping people off and their wealth will actually be a witness against them. Well, how could someone's wealth be a witness against them? Well, the amount of money they have, that money came from the people who they ripped off. Remember how it was written that men in the last days will be boasters of themselves, proud and disobedient to their parents? God here in these opening verses of James chapter 5 is talking about the people who run our world today. People who claim that they are fighting for you or may even claim to be a true Christian, but their actions are not even Christian, nor are they aligned with God's commandment or God's word. Politicians, career politicians who have a $200,000 salary, yet somehow their net worth is over $30 million because of insider trading and big pharma deals. But I digress. Verse 4. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Oh, well, this isn't talking about me. I work in an office, not in a field. Oh, well, hate to break it to you, but this is talking about all of us. I don't care if your job is digging ditches, working in an office, or being a doctor. This verse is saying how you put your day's wage in a day in and day out, but you don't even get your day's pay. Don't believe me? Look at your pay stub the next time you get paid and look at all your money being taken out of for ridiculous fees and taxes. Let's take it a step further and apply it to our nation. How much money have we sent to Ukraine and all these other US-hating countries? For what? That's your money. That's your hard-earned pay being taken by these people that James is talking about here in chapter 5. Verse 5. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. These people, these conmen, these politicians, while here on earth, they lived this life of luxury off the backs of the people. You know what that makes them? That makes them God's enemy. And God will set everything right real soon. They're going to be led into a slaughter. Verse 6. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. This continues to this day. Christians being killed because they're Christians. Look at South Africa, the Sudan, Israel even. And while here in America, Christians may not be killed for their faith, at least yet, our faith is being destroyed from within all this inclusivity and pushing godless agendas across our nation. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Just keep holding the line, holding that spiritual line. Help is on the way, don't worry. God is still on the throne and he won't allow this evil to go on for much longer. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Don't complain or groan, is what it's saying. Why? Because that judge is God, and he's standing right there at the door, and it's about to be kicked open soon. So in the meantime, live your life to the fullest. Be happy with one another, and live by the example that Christ set before us. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Look at the prophets of the Old Testament, from Moses to Isaiah to all the prophets God used. Look at the patience and suffering that they all endured. And you want to complain because of what again? Because you're having a bad day? Come on, pick up that shield, hold that sword steady, because we have plenty of fighting still to go through. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You guys have heard of Job, right? How Job suffered so much throughout his life, but Job held the faith. He had patience. And what did God do? He blessed Job more than what he had before. And do you remember what Christ promised us? Endure until the end, and I will give you a crown of life. So no matter how hard it gets, no matter how many times these unchristian-like politicians try to do away with God's word, or how many times modern-day companies try to do away with Christian values, just know that if you confide in His Word, He will never let you down. This world may change, but God's Word will never change, and you can bet all of God's Word will come to pass exactly as He said it will. 
Verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven nor by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be nay and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Let your yea be yea and your nay nay. You know what that means? It's talking about don't make promises you can't keep and definitely do not make promises to God. If you're going to do something, then just do it. If you're not going to do something, then don't do it. But don't make checks your butt can't cash. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call to the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This word anointing here means oil, which is olive oil. Olive oil was the oil used to anoint the judges and kings of Israel, but it can also be used to anoint yourself or your loved ones. And as it's instructed on here, even anoint those that are sick, whether carnal or spiritual. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. One thing to note, when you use olive oil for anointing, just remember, it's not the oil that's doing anything. We use the olive oil because our Lord told us to. It's the obedience behind it. Similar to when we take Passover, the wine and bread don't do anything to us. It's the obedience we show to do those things in remembrance of Christ. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You don't need a church with walls to go confess your sins. What you're doing now by listening to this show, this is church. You can always confess your sins to other like-minded people. Sometimes we need someone to vent to. Do that and you're going to feel good afterwards. Plus, it helps if you get advice from a like-minded Christian person because they'll set you straight. Iron does sharpen iron. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Elias here is Greek for Elijah, which was he was in the Old Testament. Elijah was a soul in the flesh just like you and I, and the world had temptations that was telling and showing Elijah what was cool to do during his time. But you know what Elijah did? Elijah had such strong faith that when he saw what the Baal worshippers were doing, he decided that their practices were going to affect God's children eventually. So Elijah prayed and God caused it to where it didn't rain in that region for three and a half years. Drought causes so many things to happen, but the biggest thing, it causes a shortage of food supply. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. God can easily convert those who he wants to convert, but that would interfere with our free will. Instead, God uses people to do his work for him. And you know what happens when you help convert a sinner? Not only do you save that soul, but you hide a multitude of sins that you have committed. What a blessing, right? And some of you who share this show, that is a way of converting the sinner. So please, share the show to everybody that you know. I want to say thank you, dear listeners, for joining me once again in the Disciples Haven. 
We've journeyed through the powerful and transformative words of the Apostle James in the fifth chapter of this book. As we conclude this chapter and the book of James, let's reflect on the profound wisdom it imparts and how we can apply it to our lives today. James reminds us of the value of patience in the face of trials and tribulations. Just as a farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, so must we patiently endure and trust in God's timing. It's a reminder that our faith isn't just a fair-weather friend, but a steadfast anchor in the storms of life. We've explored the importance of prayer and the remarkable promise that the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Prayer is our direct line of communication with God, a lifeline that sustains us through every circumstance. James also urges us to embrace community and mutual accountability with the body of believers. Our faith is not a solo journey, but a shared one. We're encouraged to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other, fostering a culture of healing and restoration. Finally, we've delved into the significance of speaking truth and letting words be a reflection of our faith. Our tongue holds immense power, capable of both destructive harm and constructive healing. As disciples, it's our responsibility to use our words wisely, speaking with love and integrity. As we conclude the book of James, let's remember that the book of James isn't just a collection of ancient words. It's a living testament to the enduring principles of faith, patience, prayer, and community. It's a guidebook for discipleship in action. Thank you for being a part of the Disciples Haven. I hope you continue to apply these teachings in your daily life and grow in your journey of faith. Please stay tuned for the next episode as we dive deeper in the timeless wisdom of God's Word. Until then, may you walk in faith, patience, and love, following in the footsteps of the disciples of old. God bless, and go in peace.